Part One of Chapter Eighteen of Equanimitas by Sir William Osler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Luke Sartor. Part One of Chapter Eighteen The Master Word in Medicine. If any one is desirous of carrying out in detail the Platonic education of afterlife, some such counsels as the following may be offered to him that he shall choose the branch of knowledge to which his own mind most distinctly inclines and in which he takes the greatest delight either one which seems to connect with his own daily employment or perhaps furnishes the greatest contrast to it he may study from the speculative side the profession or business in which he is practically engaged he may make homer dante shakespeare plato bacon the friends and companions of his life he may find opportunities of hearing the living voice of a great teacher he may select for inquiry some point of history or some unexplained phenomenon of nature an hour a day passed in such scientific or literary pursuits will furnish as many facts as the memory can retain and will give him a pleasure not to be repented of only let him beware of being the slave of crotchets or of running after a will-o'-the-wisp in his ignorance or in his vanity of attributing to himself the gifts of a poet or assuming the air of a philosopher he should know the limits of his own powers better to build up the mind by slow additions to creep on quietly from one thing to another to gain insensibly new powers and new interests in knowledge than to form vast schemes which are never destined to be realized Jowett, Introductions to Plato Contend, my soul, for moments and for hours. Each is with service pregnant. Each reclaimed is like a kingdom conquered where to reign. Robert Louis Stevenson In the case of our habits, we are only masters of the beginning, their growth by gradual stages, being imperceptible, like the growth of disease. Aristotle, Ethics. Chapter 18. The Master Word in Medicine. Delivered at the University of Toronto, 1903. Before proceeding to the pleasant duty of addressing the undergraduates, as a native of this province and as an old student of this school, I must say a few words on the momentous changes inaugurated with this session, the most important perhaps which have taken place in the history of the profession in Ontario. The splendid laboratories which we saw opened this afternoon, a witness to the appreciation by the authorities of the needs of science in medicine, makes possible the highest standards of education in the subjects upon which our art is based they may do more a liberal policy with a due regard to the truth 
that the greatness of a school lies in brains not bricks should build up a great scientific centre which will bring renown to this city and to our country the men in charge of the departments are of the right stamp see to it that you treat them in the right way by giving skilled assistance enough to ensure that the vitality of men who could work for the world is not sapped by the routine of teaching one regret will i know be in the minds of many of my younger hearers the removal of the department of anatomy and physiology from the biological laboratory of the university breaks a connection which has had an important influence on medicine in this city to professor ramsay wright is due much of the inspiration which has made possible these fine new laboratories for years he has encouraged in every way the cultivation of the scientific branches of medicine and has unselfishly devoted much time to promoting the best interests of the medical faculty and in passing let me pay a tribute to the ability and zeal with which dr a b mccallum has won for himself a world-wide reputation by intricate studies which have carried the name of this university to every nook and corner of the globe where the science of physiology is cultivated how much you owe to him in connection with the new buildings i need scarcely mention in this audience but the other event which we celebrate is of much greater importance when the money is forthcoming it is an easy matter to join stone to stone in a stately edifice but it is hard to find the market in which to buy the precious cement which can unite into an harmonious body the professors of medicine of two rival medical schools in the same city that this has been accomplished so satisfactorily is a tribute to the good sense of the leaders of the two faculties and tells of their recognition of the needs of the profession in the province is it too much to look forward to the absorption or affiliation of the kingston and london schools into the provincial university the day has passed in which the small school without endowment can live a life beneficial to the students to the profession or to the public i know well of the sacrifice of time and money which is freely made by the teachers of those schools and they will not misunderstand my motives when i urge them to commit suicide at least so far as to change their organizations into clinical schools in affiliation with the central university as part perhaps of a widespread affiliation of the hospitals of the province a school of the first rank in the world such as this must become should have ample clinical faculties under its control it is as much a necessity that the professors of medicine and surgery etc should have large hospital services under their control throughout the year as it is that professors of pathology and physiology should have laboratories such as those in which we here meet it should be an easy matter to arrange between the provincial authorities and the trustees of the toronto general hospital to replace the present antiquated system 
of multiple small services by modern well-equipped clinics three in medicine and three in surgery to begin with the increased efficiency of the service would be a substantial quid pro quo but there would have to be a self-denying ordinance on the part of many of the attending physicians with the large number of students in the combined school no one hospital can furnish in practical medicine surgery and the specialties a training in the art an equivalent of that which the student will have in the science in the new laboratories an affiliation should be sought with every other hospital in the city and province of fifty beds and over in each of which two or three extramural teachers could be recognized who would receive for three or more months a number of students proportionate to the beds in the hospital i need not mention names we all know men in ottawa kingston london hamilton guelph and chatham who could take charge of small groups of the senior students and make of them good practical doctors i merely throw out the suggestion there are difficulties in the way but is there anything worth struggling for in this life which does not bristle with them students of medicine may this day be to each of you as it was to me when i entered this school thirty-five years ago the beginning of a happy life in a happy calling not one of you has come here with such a feeling of relief as that which i experienced at an escape from conic sections and logarithms and from hooker and pearson the dry bones became clothed with interest and i felt that i had at last got to work of the greater advantages with which you start i shall not speak why waste my words on what you cannot understand to those of us only who taught and studied in the dingy old building which stood near here is it given to feel the full change which the years have wrought a change which my old teachers whom i see here today dr richardson dr ogden dr thornburn and dr oldright must find hard to realize one looks about in vain for some accustomed object on which to rest the eye in its backward glance all all are gone the old familiar places even the landscape has altered and the sense of loneliness and regret the sort of homesickness one experiences on such occasions is relieved by a feeling of thankfulness that at least some of the old familiar faces have been spared to see this day to me at least the memory of those happy days is a perpetual benediction and i look back upon the two years i spent at this school with the greatest delight there were many things that might have been improved and we can say the same of every medical school of that period but i seem to have got much more out of it than our distinguished philosopher friend j Beatty crozier whose picture of the period seems hardly drawn but after all as someone has remarked instruction is often the least part of an education and as i recall them 
our teachers in their life and doctrine set forth a true and lively word to the great enlightenment of our darkness they stand out in the background of my memory as a group of men whose influence and example were most helpful in william r beaumont and edward mulberry hodder we had before us the highest type of the cultivated english surgeon in henry h wright we saw the incarnation of faithful devotion to duty too faithful we thought as we trudged up to the eight o'clock lecture in the morning in w t atkins a practical surgeon of remarkable skill and an ideal teacher for the general practitioner how we wondered and delighted in the anatomical demonstrations of dr richardson whose infective enthusiasm did much to make anatomy the favorite subject among the students i had the double advantage of attending the last course of dr ogden and the first of dr thorburn on materia medica and therapeutics and dr oldright had just begun his career of unselfish devotion to the cause of hygiene to one of my teachers i must pay in passing the tribute of filial affection there are men here today who feel as i do about dr james bovell that he was of those finer spirits not uncommon in life touched to finer issues only in a suitable environment would the pall of evolution have been thomas henry huxley had the state elected the young naturalist to a chair in this university in eighteen fifty one only men of a certain metal rise superior to their surroundings and while dr bovell had that all-important combination of boundless ambition with energy and industry he had that fatal fault of diffuseness in which even genius is strangled with a quadrilateral mind which he kept spinning like a teetotum one side was never kept uppermost for long at a time caught in a storm which shook the scientific world with the publication of the origin of species instead of sailing before the wind even were it with bare poles he put about and sought a harbour of refuge in writing a work on natural theology which you will find on the shelves of second-hand bookshops in a company made respectable at least by the presence of paley he was an omnivorous reader and transmuter he could talk pleasantly even at times transcendentally upon anything in the science of the day from protoplasm to evolution but he lacked concentration and that scientific accuracy which only comes with a long training sometimes indeed never comes and which is the ballast of the boat but the bent of his mind was devotional and early swept into the tractarian movement he became an advanced churchman a good anglican catholic and he chaffingly remarked one day to his friend the reverend mr darling he was like the waterman in pilgrim's progress rowing one way towards rome but looking steadfastly in the other direction towards lambeth his steps to the altar 
and his lectures on the advent attest the earnestness of his convictions and later in life following the example of linacre he took orders and became another illustration of what cotton mather calls the angelic conjunction of medicine with divinity then how well i recall the keen love with which he would engage in metaphysical discussions and the ardour with which he studied kant hamilton reed and mill at that day to the reverend professor bevan was entrusted the rare privilege of directing the minds of the thinking youths at the provincial university into proper philosophical channels it was rumoured that the hungry sheep looked up and were not fed i thought so at least for certain of them led by t wesley mills came over daily after dr bevel's four o'clock lecture to reason high and long with him on providence foreknowledge will and fate fixed fate free will foreknowledge absolute yet withal his main business in life was as a physician much sought after for his skill in diagnosis and much beloved for his loving heart he had been brought up in the very best practical schools a pupil of bright and of addison a warm personal friend of stokes and of graves he maintained loyally the traditions of guise and taught us to reverence his great masters as a teacher he had grasped the fundamental truth announced by john hunter of the unity of physiological and pathological processes and as became the occupant of the chair of the institutes of medicine he would discourse on pathological processes in lectures on physiology and illustrate the physiology of bioplasm in lectures on the pathology of tumours to the bewilderment of the students when in september eighteen seventy he wrote to me that he did not intend to return from the west indies i felt that i had lost a father and a friend but in robert palmer howard of montreal i found a noble stepfather and to these two men and to my first teacher the rev w a johnson of weston i owe my success in life if success means getting what you want and being satisfied with it of the value of an introductory lecture i am not altogether certain i do not remember to have derived any enduring benefit from the many that i have been called upon to hear or from the not a few that i have inflicted in my day on the whole i am in favour of abolishing the old custom but as this is a very special occasion with special addresses i consider myself most happy to have been selected for this part of the programme to the audience at large i fear that what i have to say will appear trite and commonplace but bear with me since indeed to most of you how good soever the word the season is long past in which it could be spoken to your edification as i glance from face to face the most striking single peculiarity is the extraordinary diversity that exists among you 
alike in that you are men and white you are unlike in your features very unlike in your minds and in your mental training and your teachers will mourn the singular inequalities in your capacities and so it is sad to think will be your careers for one success for another failure one will tread the primrose path to the great bonfire another the straight and narrow way to renown some of the best of you will be stricken early on the road and will join that noble band of youthful martyrs who loved not their lives to the death others perhaps the most brilliant among you like my old friend and comrade dick zimmerman how he would have rejoiced to see this day the fates will overtake and whirl to destruction just as success seems assured when the iniquity of oblivion has blindly scattered her poppy over us some of you will be the trusted counsellors of this community and the heads of departments of this faculty while for the large majority of you let us hope is reserved the happiest and most useful lot given to man to become vigorous whole-souled intelligent general practitioners it seems a bounden duty on such an occasion to be honest and frank so i propose to tell you the secret of life as i have seen the game played and as i have tried to play it myself you remember in one of the jungle stories that when mowgli wished to be avenged on the villagers he could only get the help of hathi and his sons by sending them the master word this i propose to give you in the hope yes in the full assurance that some of you at least will lay hold upon it to your profit though a little one the master word looms large in meaning it is the open sesame to every portal the great equalizer in the world the true philosopher's stone which transmutes all the base metal of humanity into gold the stupid man among you it will make bright the bright man brilliant and the brilliant student steady with the magic word in your heart all things are possible and without it all study is vanity and vexation the miracles of life are with it the blind see by touch the deaf hear with eyes the dumb speak with fingers to the youth it brings hope to the middle-aged confidence to the aged repose true balm of hurt minds in its presence the heart of the sorrowful is lightened and consoled it is directly responsible for all advances in medicine during the past twenty-five centuries laying hold upon it hippocrates made observation and science the warp and woof of our art galen so read its meaning that fifteen centuries stopped thinking and slept until awakened by the de fabrica of vesalius which is the very incarnation of the master word 
With its inspiration, Harvey gave an impulse to a larger circulation than he wot of, an impulse which we feel today. Hunter sounded all its heights and depths, and stands out in our history as one of the great exemplars of its virtue. With it, Virchow smote the rock, and the waters of progress gushed out, while in the hands of Pasteur it proved a very talisman who opened to us a new heaven in medicine and a new earth in surgery. Not only has it been the touchstone of progress, but it is the measure of success in everyday life. Not a man before you but is beholden to it for his position here, while he who addresses you has that honour directly in consequence of having had it graven on his heart when he was as you are today. And the master word is work. A little one, as I have said, but fraught with momentous sequences, if you can but write it on the tablets of your hearts and bind it upon your foreheads. But there is a serious difficulty in getting you to understand the paramount importance of the work habit as part of your organization. You are not far from the Tom Sawyer stage with its philosophy that work consists of whatever a body is obliged to do, and that play consists of whatever a body is not obliged to do. A great many hard things may be said of the work habit. For most of us it means a hard battle. The few take to it naturally. The many prefer idleness and never learn to love labor. Listen to this. Look at one of your industrious fellows for a moment, I beseech you, says Robert Louis Stevenson. He sows hurry and reaps indigestion. He puts a vast deal of activity out to interest, and receives a large measure of nervous derangement in return. Either he absents himself entirely from all fellowship, and lives a recluse in a garret, with carpet slippers and a leaden ink-pot, or he comes among people swiftly and bitterly, in a contraction of his whole nervous system, to discharge some temper before he returns to work. I do not care how much or how well he works. This fellow is an evil feature in other people's lives. These are the sentiments of an overworked, dejected man. Let me quote the motto of his saner moments. To travel, hopefully, is better than to arrive, and the true success is in labor. If you wish to learn of the miseries of scholars in order to avoid them, read Part 1, Section 2, Member 3, Subsection 15, of that immortal work, The Anatomy of Melancholy. But I am here to warn you against these evils, and to entreat you to form good habits in your student days. At the outset, appreciate clearly the aims and objects each one of you should have in view, a knowledge of disease and its cure, and a knowledge of yourself. The one, special education, 
will make you a practitioner of medicine. The other, an inner education, may make you a truly good man, four-square and without a flaw. The one is extrinsic and is largely accomplished by teacher and tutor, by text and by tongue. The other is intrinsic and is the mental salvation to be wrought out by each one for himself. The first may be had without the second. Any one of you may become an active practitioner without ever having had sense enough to realize that through life you have been a fool. Or you may have the second without the first, and without knowing much of the art, you may have the endowments of head and heart that make the little you do possess go very far in the community. End of Part 1 of Chapter 18 The Master Word in Medicine Recording by Luke Sartor, Griffith, New South Wales